Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The I Love You So Much podcast is proudly sponsored by Hilton. Discover Austin and choose from one of our many brands, including Hilton, Embassy Suites by Hilton, Doubletree by Hilton, Hampton Inn & Suites, and Home to Suites by Hilton. See more, save more. Stay at Hilton. Unlock local experiences at travel.hilton.com. Welcome to I Love You So Much, the Austin 360 podcast, a show for everyone caught up in an ongoing love affair with Austin, even if it's complicated. I'm your host, Tali Mosley. I'm Omar Gayaga. And I'm Addie Broyles, coming to you from the shores of Lady Bird Lake in the offices of the Austin American Statesman. What's new at this year's Austin City Limits Music Festival? We chat with Statesman music writers Peter Blackstock and Deborah Sengupta Stith, who fill us in on the acts they are most excited to see and why scooters are already the talk of the fest. Lindsay Patterson and Marshall Escamilla have been hosting Tumble, a science podcast for kids, since 2015. They are Austinites who are currently living and working in Spain with their young son, but they were in Austin for a live show recently, so we caught up with them about how they make science cool for parents and kids alike. What happens when a great-grandma with a gun wanted revenge on a gator? Eric Webb tells us about this and what he learned during his time at the Statesman in a farewell web report. We'll end, as always, with our recommendations in a toast, but first, ACL Fest. What's different for 2018? Which lineup conflicts will have best-goers in a tizzy? And what tips do you need to get the most out of your money? When we first spoke, Childish Gambino was still slated to be a headliner, but he ended up canceling a few days later. Deborah and Peter, your favorite time of year is upon us. ACL time. Maybe not your favorite. Well, we have we have the two favorites. The other one's in March. The other one, right. Yes. So. But this is um, big time for you guys. You guys are firing on all cylinders. You've got your schedules out in front of you. You've got ACL on the mind. Tell us what you're looking forward to this year. Yeah, it's certainly our, our busiest time. And, and for me, certainly Paul McCartney is the thing that, that makes this ACL special. Uh, I don't know if that's true for everybody. I'm sure there's some people who, uh, younger people who maybe don't have the interest in that that others do but on the other hand he's he was a beetle he's he's a he's one of the you know four or five most famous musicians in the world still and so acl getting him was a was a pretty big deal and he performed here four or five years ago at the Irwin center so some people in austin have seen him when the rolling stones came that was kind of big because they hadn't played in austin in a very long time right does that t- take away from the specialness of it uh, I don't think so because there's just going to be very few chances from here on out. I mean, at this point, McCartney's in his mid seventies. It's like you, you're fair chance you're not going to get a chance to see him again. Yeah, he just dropped that new album, which seems to be getting good reviews and mm. lots of airplay. No, maybe I just hear <laughs> this one song over a, and over. It's getting reviews. <laughs> it's getting lots of attention. Yeah, uh, I'm not that impressed with what I've heard. Okay, uh, but. Those are the songs that we will sit politely through. Yeah, I think I think the most everybody clearly is going to be there for the old stuff. And I've seen the set list, and he's putting some new stuff in there, but he's not he's not trying to pull a hey, just listen to my new record and and 
I'm not really going to play the old stuff for you. There's stuff from all over Beatles and his solo. What should stuff. we expect from that set list? Wings? Uh, some of that. Uh, a lot of Beatles, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, I think what I have seen is the closing part is is the latter part of, the, of side two of Abbey Road, which is kind of his masterpiece. And the Barton Hills Choir, who is playing earlier that day, is doing that as well. They're doing the, the Abbey Road side two medley. Uh, they'll be doing that at like noon or whatever on the uh, Austin Kitty Limit stage. Is there anything he can't play or that he just doesn't play? Like John Lennon's, he plays John Lennon songs, right? No? Not really. Okay. No, I mean, there's, I mean, yes, kind of, because most of those things were Lennon-McCartney co-writes credited mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. But even with all the things credited to Lennon-McCartney, you, you pretty much knew which ones were Paul songs and which ones were John songs. Mm-hmm. And he sticks to the ones that, that were really his work. And he's playing on Friday night. He's the headliner that night. Deborah, what are you looking forward to later on that weekend? Uh, well, I'm very excited about Janelle Monet, who her album uh, has been one of my favorites of the year. Kind of saved me <laughs> this summer because it's it's just really emotional. Um, I feel like for a lot of women right now who are feeling a little downtrodden, it's very defiantly uh defiantly who she is and claiming her identity as a young black queer American woman. And um, so I'm super excited about that. She's playing on Sunday. Also on Sunday, uh, Childish Gambino is set to headline. And that tour, which he has billed, actor Donald Glover, has said that this will be his final run as Childish Gambino. And the two Austin dates at ACL Fest are actually the final dates of the tour, which across the country, uh, from the New York shows to the Philly shows, all of them, uh, people have been describing the show pretty much as a religious experience. Uh, They're super, super excited about it. This is America, obviously, the most unlikely song of the summer to become the song of the summer. So do you think he will continue to tour after this, just not as Childish Gambino? I think it's up in the air. I mean, he has a lot of he has a lot of things on his plate. Uh, what he told, um, uh, I think it was Huffington Post, was that uh, he felt like Childish Gambino was al- always supposed to be a little bit punk rock, and now that he's had you know these big R and B radio hits like Redbone, uh, he feels like if he kept going with this project, it would no longer have that kind of punk rock rebellious energy to it and so he wants to put it down while it still does so in the past few years the festival has increased its electronic and edm presence is that also true this year i think so i mean there's odeza uh they who are playing on maybe they're playing opposite mccartney i'm not sure um and they are also playing an after show at stubbs that sold out real fast and there's another um dj called elenium who also sold out an after show real fast so what are the other acts generally speaking that you're looking forward to seeing maybe during the day or earlier in the evenings um david byrne is one for me uh he's also doing a show in the middle of the week at at bass concert hall and i think that's kind of for his older generation audience who really wants to see him but would not like to sit through zilker a whole day With like or an actual weekend. seat yeah right <laughs> so there's you know that's what sometimes the after shows are good for that a lot of them are are more just maybe people like like one particular band that mm-hmm. they want to see more than the whole festival bill but uh that's that's one i'm i'm looking forward to and uh some women singer songwriters brandy carlisle and sharon van etten uh in so they're, they're playing i think kind of back to back on saturday afternoon uh both really good artists and sharon has not 
played for a while because she had a kid a year or two ago and and this is kind of a return for her so that's what i'm looking forward to yeah. what, i feel like uh, i feel like that um there's a lot of uh well there's been a lot of talk about the fact that there's no women on the top tier which <sighs> as it is in most festivals is is a problem but i feel like on that level just below there's right. a lot of really exciting women this year uh saint vincent uh was amazing when she came and did her acl taping earlier this year uh churches have been putting on really really great shows and their lead singer lauren mayberry is really known as um kind of an activist for women in the music industry as well as um being a great musician herself. Uh, like I said, Janelle Monet, the breeders are going to be there. Uh, a lot of people are excited about that. And yeah, I feel like, and even going earlier in the lineup, people like No Name, who's an emerging rapper who just put out a really wonderful album, Room 25. So I feel like uh, the festival future is female and hopefully people start to catch on to that soon. People remi- who book festivals. And a reminder not just to come for the headliners. There's a lot of great music during the day. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, Zilker Park is under transformation as we speak under, you know, it's going to turn into this two weekend, I don't know, city within a city is how I think of it. Have you been tracking some of the changes that are going on? I know there's going to be a scooter drop off zone. There's going to, you know, there's new activations always. There were a lot more changes last year because they annexed this other side of of the road uh, to make the Barton Spring stage and that is kind of in place now i think that was a really good addition last year and people seem to really like that stage i think there's going to be more stuff over there this year uh not as many changes as there was last year though which was a, 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 big, a big change here yeah the, the scooter thing is probably the biggest one because that's something that's kind of blown up here just in the last two or three months and they obviously are accommodating for that I think the biggest thing that people need to know going to ACL Fest is that they have changed their bag ban this year. Um, so your ba- your bag can only have one pocket in it. So small bags, think small, and your purse with a lot of pockets in it is, is not going to be allowed this year. Your backpack is not going to be allowed this year. So I think the backpack was actually banned last year, but this year it's specifically bags with um, more than one pocket have been banned Mm, that's interesting um so one of the changes that's not at the festival but that's related to the festival is now we have kgsr just transitioned over to be uh austin city limits radio have you been hearing very much about that i listened a bit the first weekend and uh, went to a couple of the events that were part of the unveiling of that and they had leon bridges up in their studio to kind of launch it uh it's a they're they're saying it's about a 50 percent change of what they're playlist used to be it is different but i don't think if you were a previous listener of the station and you were turning in now you would be totally amazed by or totally shocked by by things being being like a you know a complete turn to something else i think it's just allowing them to sort of broaden their umbrella a Mm -hmm. little bit and play some things that maybe they wanted to play but couldn't necessarily play under a stricter triple a format do you think it's ultimately helping them sell more wristbands acl no i doubt it i don't i it's really more of a branding thing than a than any sort of big marketing push i don't i I can't imagine that people are going to be listening to the radio station and suddenly realize oh there's a (laughs) festival going on you know that's all about the booking right yeah and i mean and the wristbands are selling pretty well the first weekend is sold out uh saturday of the second weekend is sold out um so it depends on how excited people are about paul mccartney and childish gambino to see mm-hmm. although what, if 
Saturday is selling out. It sounds like they're excited about Metallica. Yes, so. who we have not talked oh, about yeah. at all. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Metallica. The loudest, rockest band of all. I've been joking that half the city of San Antonio is going to come up and party with us. San Antonio City Limits on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Who's the other headliner that night? You know, on weekend one, there really isn't one uh, because on weekend two, it's Travis Scott. But there was clearly uh, something with his uh, schedule that didn't allow him to play that Saturday. He plays on the Sunday, the first weekend. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of a weird time slot that first weekend where... Uh, Travis Scott and Camila Cabello are playing at about the same time. And those artists are very, very different, but they're both huge with people in the kind of 16 to 24 year old demographic. So it's an unusual overlap. there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll be seeing lots of unusual overlaps in the weekends to come. Thank you guys so much for coming in and sharing your thoughts. Sure thing. Thank you. Listeners, we have an update to the previous segment you just heard. And to fill us in, I have Deborah back in the studio. Deborah, when we talked last, the headlining situation at ECL was different than it is now. Yes. Childish Gambino was scheduled to headline on Sunday, and a lot of people were very, very excited about that. Um, the tour had been getting rave reviews, but apparently there's a lot of acrobatic dancing in it, and he injured himself after the Dallas show and uh, has postponed the rest of the tour dates, but was not able to recover fully enough to perform in time for Austin City Limits Festival. Oh, man. I know a lot of people who are really bummed about this. What response are you hearing? Uh, I think a lot of people are pretty bummed. The way the festival handled it is they bumped Travis Scott, who is um, a rapper from Houston, who is enormous right now with young people, up into the headlining spot for that Sunday. A lot of people... The I feel like the Venn diagram of people who love Childish Gambino and people who love Travis Scott, there's a fair amount of overlap, but there's also a fair amount of people who are probably not as excited about that. And they've added a couple other artists to the bill. They uh, put Lil Wayne on the second Saturday to fill in the spot that Cha- um, Travis Scott was originally supposed to perform uh, on the second weekend. And then they also added the French pop band Phoenix, which I don't think makes anybody who is excited about Childish Gambino feel better. Well, uh, and a lot more people are going to get exposed to Travis Scott this weekend because he's performing at uh, on SNL. Yes, which I'm guessing is uh, the reason why he was booked on Sunday of weekend one. And then he was headlining, um, originally scheduled to headline opposite Metallica on weekend two, which always was kind of a weird positioning. So I actually kind of suspected he might be on Saturday Night Live, but um, that has been confirmed. It's very possible that after he does that show on Saturday Night Live, based on how well that performance goes, his new album is really great, too, uh, that people might be super excited about that Sunday headlining set. People who were maybe not as excited before. It's possible. Well, thanks for filling us in on these changes, Deborah. I will see you out there at the festival. And listeners, be on the lookout for dispatches from Tali and Omar and I from Silker Park this weekend. The I Love You So Much podcast is proudly sponsored by Hilton. Discover Austin and choose from one of our many brands, including Hilton, Embassy Suites by Hilton, Doubletree by Hilton, Hampton Inn & Suites, and 
home to suites by Hilton. See more, save more. Stay at Hilton. Unlock local experiences at travel.hilton.com. Why are starfish feet sticky? What's growing inside your showerhead? These are just a few of the questions that Lindsay Patterson and Marshall Escamilla have answered on their Tumble podcast. But we wanted to know why they wanted to start a science podcast for kids in the first place. Thanks for coming to the studio, Lindsay and Marshall. Thanks for Thanks. having us. Hello. So you are Austinites who are now currently living in Barcelona, which we'll get to later. But you run the Tumble podcast, which is a science podcast for kids. My kids and I love it. Omar, I don't know if you guys have had a chance we to have. listen. We have. We listened to some of it over the weekend. And uh, yeah, we, we have just started getting into kind of kids podcasts. My kids are finally like, hey, I have a, I have a device now. I want to listen to stuff myself. Well, let's talk about that because you started this podcast Basically because one of the reasons you wanted more kids to listen to podcasts. Will you tell us this origin story? Yeah. So back in 2014, there were a couple of things that came together. That was when Serial came out and podcasts kind of blew up. Um, it was also at a time when I was working at a job that I needed a creative outlet outside of. And um, our son has, had just been born. So we wanted a project that we could do together, and I always wanted to make something like science radio for kids, and it never seemed plausible to get that on the radio, but when podcasts happened, it was like, this is the moment, this is the medium, and along with our partner, Sarah Robertson-Lentz, we created Tumble. So it was at a time when people were like, do kids listen to podcasts? Like, will kids listen to radio? And we started trying it out and uh, took a, our first couple of episodes around to focus groups uh, of kids. We called them listening parties and <laughs> handed out uh, popsicles and other treats to make it seem more appealing. And we realized, like, kids really do listen what were they drawn to and how how is making a podcast for kids different than making a podcast for adults so i think kids really love being talked to like they're intelligent people mm -hmm. and so it's really not too different from making a podcast for adults you have to leave out some of the like blood and guts and stuff mm -hmm. just a little but then, you, <laughs> but then you get to talk about boogers Exactly. Right. More boogers, <laughs> less More violence. That's the general, <laughs> the less general rule. Less existential NPR dread. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, and the exactly. episodes are short and sweet and to the point, and they always are around some sort of singular question that is very kid. I mean, you guys have kid. You have a kid, so you know exactly what kinds of questions they're thinking about, and they're very odd. So, do you want to talk us talk to us about some of the episodes that you've loved producing the most are the ones that have really resonated with listeners? Oh, man. So by far, our most popular episode is called The Science of Poop. And what was <laughs> the there it is. Classic. <laughs> yep. Oh, we got a question that was like, why do humans poop? Mm -hmm. And um, I wanted to interview one of my favorite science authors of all time, Mary Roach, who had written a book about this um, called Gulp. Well, it's about the entire digestive system, but with a particularly memorable chapter about poop. Particularly um, poop in space. The, the book is really incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's harder than you think to poop in space. And she's the author that sort of will hone in on one particular topic and really explore the heck out of it. She's yeah. so good, yeah. I and love, she's hilarious. I love Packing for <laughs> Mars is the one with the chapter on poop. Um, 
But yeah, so I interviewed her and what we do in every episode is kind of weave the story of um, the answer into a story of science discovery. So so how they found out the answer. So not just the these process. are the facts, but this yeah. is... Yeah, because the answer is relatively simple. You know, humans poop because we eat. But like there's a, such a diverse range of research that's so fascinating and interesting to kids. And so... They love to tell people, like, if you don't poop or fart, you will explode. (laughs) In space. (laughs) Well, anywhere. Your mission to increase science literacy in both adults and kids has been clear from the beginning. And I think that speaks to why you want to talk about the process of discovery and not just the answers. Will you explain a little bit more about that? Yeah. So very few Americans can name a living scientist. And I think you can see now in the political climate, there's... A general, I think, disrespect for science that people... And I think also ignorance about it. Yeah, total... I don't want to say total ignorance, but, like, we learn facts about science in school. That's, you know, we're quizzed on, we're tested on it. Like, how do you know what equals this? But we don't understand the process, that science is a human process. It builds upon itself. And, you know, if mistakes are made, that's part of the process. We can go on and learn from that, ask more questions. And it all comes from curiosity that is inherent in kids. And I think kids get that. So by talking to kids, this is something that's really exciting to me because their parents get involved and come along with it. Kids really understand. They love exploring and parents love to get involved with what their kids are involved in. And I think also like the, you know, in in school, I think increasingly it's the case where you're given a question to which there is a right and a wrong answer. And what that obscures is the fact that, at least in science, there's never really just a right answer. There's just the answer that we're using right now until we find out a better one. Mm-hmm. Or more and yeah, yeah, or until more information comes along. So, you know, people can say things like, well, evolution is just a theory without discussing, like, well, evolution's a theory, yes, and it is the best explanation we have right now. Uh, however, there's all this information behind it, and there's all this process that came to, or that had Charles Darwin draw the conclusion that evolution is what's happening, and there's yeah. all this other stuff that supports it, and evidence, and, and scientists who continually prove that he was on to something. Yeah. And so I really didn't like science in school. It was one of those subjects that I just tried to avoid and just tried to like get a good grade and move on from. And I did not understand that scientists didn't know everything until after I graduated from college. Mm-hmm. Well, and you invite listeners to be part of this science community by adopting the the whale sharks or uh, taking it was what's in your shower head, you know, yeah. and it's like encouraging young listeners that they too can be citizen scientists and how and you encourage them to, you know, submit their data and, and, and basically be part of the discovery process, which I thought was unique to your podcast. Uh, Marshall, I wanted to ask you, you were, uh, were a music teacher in Austin. I sure was. What role do you bring to this podcast beyond <laughs> having the funny voices? Uh, I, I do the funny segment. voices yeah. that, <laughs> That's actually probably most of my role is the funny voices. And you uh, write music for the show, right? <laughs> I sure do, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, uh, we score, well, I score every episode more or less from scratch. Um, I'm not sure quite what to say about that. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, we started just using public domain music and then 
Um, I think Marshall's music has really taken it to the next level of setting a mood with each episode. And it's always fun because I can use, you know, I've sort of taken this whole process as a, a learning process for me of, you know, learning how to use music creation software and uh, record music at home. And so every episode I try to learn a new thing in in the creation process and oftentimes like take a... Uh, take audio that Lindsay's recorded for the show and sample it and turn it into musical instruments that then I can use for the scoring. Got to have audio editing in a podcast. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah. Number one skill. So you, yeah. guys, you guys are an autonomous uh, podcast, which means you can make it from anywhere, which might be the reason why you're doing that from Spain this year and last year. Tell us about this big move you made, why you did it, how it's been. Um, well, so the big move was, I think mostly we, we kind of fell into this really lucky situation where we met another family over there who wanted to live in Austin for a year. Um, so originally we were going to exchange houses and they were going to live in our house and we were going to live in theirs. Um, but then uh, the Im- U.S. immigration process turned out to be a lot harder for them than they thought. Um, and then, so all that happened was it just got delayed for a year. So... We, but we moved anyway. Yeah, we moved anyway because uh, <laughs> by the time they found out that the immigration yeah. process wasn't going to work, we'd already gotten our visa and we were already... Telling know. everybody in our lives that we were moving <laughs> to Spain for a year. So, yeah. To, it to was, make a podcast. I mean, that's what I think is so cool. I didn't know that you guys were already there making podcast. The podcast I've been listening to. Uh, but tell me yeah. more about sort of what it's been like to make podcasts for a U.S. audience abroad. Yeah, I think when we got there, we saw the opportunity to really expand into like an international world of science and I think that that's you know it's part of the scientific process is that there's tons of collaboration and science just doesn't just happen in like American universities and companies like there are people who don't speak English who do science and so I've really been looking for opportunities in Spain to like go into labs go into the field and show people science around the world i'll say it's also nice having the seven hour time difference for uh release issues <laughs> yeah sometimes we wake up day of and we finish the episode <laughs> but then it still doesn't you know it still comes out at like four in the morning in the u.s so, yeah. <laughs> so uh, in the time that you've been doing the podcast i mean have you noticed people's li- or kids listening habits changing it seems like now with people having alexa in their house or google home like these shows are much more accessible to kids in the home where before it was like, you know, had to be in the car, you had to give a kid an iPod. Uh, What's the accessibility of of the podcast changing for you all? Yeah. So I think the main thing is there's so much more awareness of kids podcasts at the same time that the podcast ecosystem in total is evolving and focusing on things like smart smart speakers that make um, podcasts more accessible for kids. Um, So, One of the other big things that I do outside of Tumble is an organization called Kids Listen, which is an advocacy organization made up of podcasters. Um, And one thing I really wanted to do was create an app that kids could go on, find kids podcasts and not have them mixed in with like the general kids and family uh, category and Apple podcasts which is made up of like it's marriage podcasts, yeah, baby podcasts. Yeah. Wow. 
There are many things you wouldn't want your kid listening to. My favorite to. murder. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, let's hear 45-year-olds talk about their sex life. I just heard about, about this app, life. though. I mean, it's available now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's been out for a year, and so everything is categorized by age. So that was a big question that parents had. Um, we also curate uh, playlists by interest. So if you want to, like get into a serialized sci-fi adventure, you can find that or you can find story time or you can find, you know, podcasts about literature. And we're in a category called Explore Your Curiosity, which is science podcasts and other educational podcasts. Well, you're in Austin because you just had a live show uh, about all about oceans. Um, do you have any other plans for live shows in the future? How did it go? Uh, and also tell uh, listeners where they can find more information about you. Yes. So we did a string of three live shows here in Austin, and it was fantastic. Yeah, we was- had such a good time. Um, we basically converted one of our favorite episodes into something we can perform live. Uh, it was the surprising science of sea stars sticky feet and um it's very sibilant yeah i love alliteration <laughs> the mic level just went all over i will <laughs> yeah. just go for alliteration wherever possible <laughs> and and um yeah kids were super engaged with it it was so fun to connect with people who actually listen to the podcast so you hope to do more of those in the future yeah, yeah. absolutely Most definitely um so where can they find you online yeah so our Website is called uh, sciencepodcastforkids.com. Really uh, easy to remember if you know only one thing from this interview. Um, and then you can find Tumble Science Podcast for Kids wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And all that information is on sciencepodcastforkids.com. And what was the name of the app if uh, parents want to put that on their phone? Kids Listen. And it's free to download. Thanks so much for coming to the studio, guys. Thank you. This Thanks. was so much fun. Great Thank to meet you. you all. Welcome, Eric Webb, to the Web Report. Thanks, Tolly. Thanks, Omar. Hello. Hello, and it's the final Web Report. What? Oh, what? That's right. All the levels spiking right I now. Know. I know. It's, it's, a, it's a sad but exciting time here in, at the Web Report uh, after about seven years at the Austin American Statesman. I didn't but realize we, it had been that long. It's been almost seven years, yeah. You're now what, 24? 25? <laughs> I, I just turned 21. Uh, no, I'm 29. <laughs> Hired him from a babe. Exactly. No, I, I just turned 20. I, I, I'm turning 30 next year. Well, Tali, you said changes in the air. It feels like all of us have yeah yeah that is the theme of 2018 and Mm -hmm. particularly fall 2018 it just is we're turning over new leaves guys i Mm -hmm. say bulldoze it all (laughs) yeah okay so eric talk to us about what's happening in the great state of texas and then in this singular special person who lives in texas how do you love how do you cap off the web report okay i would look with the with the ultimate web report is the answer so um since this is the last edition, uh, I wanted to kind of find the ultimate Texas story, the ultimate weird internet buzz article that I could possibly put together. Leslie lives. Matthew McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey at, at UT. I, you know, I thought Matthew McConaughey Margarita would have been would have been the thing that couldn't be topped. But last week was kind to us. God answered prayers. Prayer <laughs> works, y'all. And uh, I'd like to tell you a little bit, a little story about a twelve-foot alligator that messed with the wrong Texas grandma with a Winchester. Oh God! That- a Winchester being a gun, not not a cast boom. member from Supernatural. <laughs> boom, boom. Yep, a gun. 
So uh, this is the tale of Judy Cochran. She's uh, the mayor of Livingston, East Texas, and also a grandma. Her, her kids call her her grandkids call her Nana. So you know, you, I, we all know a Judy Cochran, I think. Um, and she had suspicion that a giant gator had eaten her miniature horse three years ago. <laughs> oh, so you can. So see. she had an axe to grind. She had an axe to grind. Yeah. <laughs> Who among us does not have a nana that had her miniature horse eaten by an alligator? <laughs> Tail as old as time, honestly. And so uh, she thought oh, that she. Oh, I like Judy. Oh, oh yes, uh, Judy's Judy's a hoot. And so uh, she thought that she had she located the alligator in question uh, because they some handlers put out a season, quote seasoned raccoon according to the Houston Chronicle <laughs> to catch that large alligator this and so they, they caught the Wait, alligator okay hold on this the raccoon is going to catch the alligator that was the plan well it was a seasoned police, raccoon Tali, we've got a raccoon on the case <laughs> yeah it was a bait situation <laughs> you might rob us or solve the crime we don't know <laughs> Which way it's gonna go. This sounds like an adorable cartoon. <laughs> oh yeah, this oh this could easily be adapted for for stage screen and uh, perhaps books. even yeah perhaps even uh, literature. Uh, <laughs> so the moral of the story is uh, news outlets reported that they caught the gator, this big gator that Judy believes is the gator that killed her miniature horse. <laughs> I and How does she know? Well, that's just, I did not see anything in any that news sure looks reports. Like him. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one, officer. <laughs> Big and green. That's an the alligator one. lineup, like the usual suspect. <laughs> well, it's funny you should mention that because she was actually in a uh, a city council meeting when, or a meeting of some sort when they caught the gator. So she left her meeting. She got her gun and she took the gator out with one shot. No. Yeah. And it turned out he was a city council member in disguise. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's Judy. Wait, of course, like, she did. where did she? Okay, so many questions. Where was the alligator being held? Yeah. Where did, how did she know how to apprehend it? Mm-hmm. Uh, it <laughs> she had seen the gator trawling Can around. I move to Livingston? Did the raccoon Last actually question. solve the mystery? <laughs> yes to all of the above, maybe. Uh, but no, she, it's this pond, but there's lots of big gators. And actually, her grandson, when he was five years old, killed an 800-pound alligator at the same pond. So apparently, like... You know, the the biblical flood never happened and dinosaurs roamed the earth at this pond. <laughs> and so... I love that you just like drop in these casual details. Like yeah. the eight-year-old kills an 800-pound alligator. <laughs> what? Yeah, why not? What? It's Texas. I think I remember hearing that original story. I do too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was a big deal. So um, the point of the story is, uh, yeah, they... Said that she saw the gator. She's like, "That's the one." They caught him. <laughs> Who me? Yeah, she fingered him, and then they they caught the gator. Oh. She left the city council me- or the, the the meeting that she was in, and she took it out with one shot. And would you uh, like to guess what Nana Judy is going to do with that alligator? Uh, taxidermy it immediately. Yes. Well, you Mount name it. Head on her front porch. Yes, 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 and yes. You name it. She's <laughs> doing it. According to Houston Chronicle, Judy is going to have the head mounted and displayed. She's going to have part of the tail displayed in her office. She's going to eat the meat. And you better believe she's walking out of the studio with some alligator skin boots. Well, so it's a true head to tail um, mm-hmm. philosophy there. Mm-hmm. She's, yeah, an, okay. she's an ethical gator hunter. She's setting an example to all the other alligators. Don't mess oh, okay. with my family. So this is so interesting because I like I'm the most pacifist person you'll ever meet. And yet, like... Whenever I hear about these stories of grandma badassery, I really do wish I had an inner Judy Cochran mm-hmm. to channel at certain key turning points yeah. in my life. <laughs> we all have our we all have our metaphorical gators. You could see you could see right. Ann Richards doing this. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay, yeah. honestly, when I have, like have pictured the film version of this in my head, uh-huh. I have like 
build in an Ann Richards-esque figure. Ha- Holland Taylor <laughs> as right. Holland Taylor. Yeah. Alligator Grandma. Precisely. No, actually, this is Margot Martindale's role to oh, lose. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Think about it. There It'd you go. Perfect. Anyway, so isn't that the most web report story you've That's ever heard? Super. That is pretty good job. Finding I mean, it. by way of Florida, but yes, very Texas. I thought so. Go out with a bang. Are you gonna meet? Are you gonna miss it? Are you gonna miss finding little quirky uh, Texasisms yeah. each week? I think I am. I think I am. I think it's. Uh, I was very lucky and blessed to kind of luck into this uh, this role where I was able to just kind of live on the internet for a while and find things and to to really look for things that readers would respond to. Uh, and you know you don't get to write about grandmas killing alligators and Mexican free-tailed bats dropping bombs and Matthew McConaughey marking, mar- making margaritas making in every job. Terrible margaritas. Yeah. I'm really gonna miss your um, little chestnuts of Austin and larger Texas history. And no one else did this news of the weird style reporting quite like you because it was done with love. It wasn't just freaky, bizarro stories. It was done as seemingly like love letters to the city and the state you grew up in. Thank you. Yeah. I don't, I don't know anyone who loves Mrs. Baird like you do. And she's she's my lady. <laughs> uh no, yeah, that's the thing. I always bristled um when people would call the kind of things that uh, our like digital team would write as clickbait because I would always say like no, like it's stuff that we want people to click on for sure, but I always every time we would train like a new person that came on a team, I would always say I think the things we write are informative and entertaining, and those, that's what we yeah. we want to have that kind of value. Right, so. right, right, and that's what community needs yeah. um, things to talk about with each other. So, well, you're going to miss talking to us, aren't you? Yeah, but I'm still going to talk to y'all. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we just might not <laughs> have, headphones have our own on. little offline podcast that no one can hear but us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly, a secret podcast, a listenership of three. Well, Eric, we'll miss you, sir, and good luck to the next chapter to you in the next chapter of your life. Thanks, y'all. We love you, Eric. We hope to see you around. I love y'all so much. We love you so much. And now we've come to the segment of our show we call A Toast. Tali, what are you into these days? Okay, so I am currently listening to the latest episode of This American Life called The Runaways. And this is one of those This American Life episodes that I love so much where they and have an investigative reporter from ProPublica to go deep on one story. And this is about Suffolk County in New York State and a police department there that for years just did not take missing persons reports seriously when they were specifically reported from immigrant families, um, largely Latino children who just all of a sudden started disappearing. And the reason this is significant is because... um, MS-13, a super violent gang, has a pretty heavy presence there. And so you can imagine how terrified a parent would be if their child, their teenager, suddenly goes missing. But the police department just treated them as runaways. And meanwhile, um, parents had to DIY their own investigations to find out something very different and much darker. And uh, I'm not finished with the episode yet, but... If you want a dose of just great investigative reporting, um, The Runaways on This American Life, um, it's pretty compelling. Well, one episode, true crime. 
Yeah. It's not a cereal. But yeah, a, yeah. And yeah. Oh, also new cereal yeah, just came out. Yeah, I was going to say, the new yeah. cereal is really good. <laughs> have, have you started listening to it? I listened to the first. They dropped two episodes. Uh, they all it, The whole season is the Cleveland County Courthouse. Like spending I know. a year in the courthouse. It's fantastic. Really? Okay, yeah. great. But, like That's what you've been telling me about. I'm like, that sounds so processy, but it's like, no, it's as juicy as... Oh, and, and as... looking at individual small cases that would never get media coverage because they're so small. Oh, right. It's, it's fantastic. Oh, really I can't wait. Yeah, okay, you'll love it. Great. I like awesome. the idea that it's a bunch of small things rather than mm-hmm. sort of one big unsolved yeah and case. i mean they, yeah. they intro by saying like well the first season with anon uh, uh people were anon. asking yeah. anon, excuse me we're saying like what does this say about the criminal justice system mm. well nothing really because it's such an extraordinary case but if you look at all these smaller cases mm. this is more typical of what's really happening in the legal system fascinating yeah. oh i can't wait That's interesting. It. Ah. <laughs> omar what are you into American Vandal on Netflix, which I had heard such good things about and had been, you know, like not resisting watching, but just not having time to see it. They dropped a second season and I heard it was just as good as the first season. So like, okay, I got to get into this. I watched the first season over the weekend, binged it. It's eight episodes. It's so good, you guys. Okay, wait, like, like, remind me what the premise. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. uh, (laughs) Let me see if I can do this on a friendly, on a clean podcast. Uh, (laughs) It's a fake docu-series in the style of making a murderer or serial that a high school production department did you know high school students are doing the, the documentary is that, is, is that real or is it like they're it's po- not it's, it's, yeah, it's not it's real staged. but it feels okay. real because okay. it's so okay. true to life and the mystery they're trying to solve is who drew a bunch of penises on a bunch of cars parked in the teacher's parking lot ah, amazing and one person <laughs> has been you know expelled for this crime but they believe he didn't really do it so who who, who drew the Okay, penises. who's who's the mastermind behind this? Is it Nick Kroll? Is no, it, but it's, um, it doesn't feel like a comedy. It doesn't feel like I mean, it's oh. very funny and it's got a lot of juvenile humor in it. But it's done so straightforward in the style of serial or making a murder, like with the montages and the re- recreations and computer graphics. So that's like, where the humor comes from. It's a it's, bit, it's yeah. like if you gave a high school AV department an <laughs> unlimited Netflix budget and said, you know, we're going to make all the graphics for you and do and. But it's high school drama. Like, it's very much like these kids, you know, with their little silly, you know, uh, not to minimize, but yeah, yeah, but yeah. they're, you know, they're, they're boyfriends and they're, you know, they're hookups and all this. It's done so well. And the, and the kids in it, you would, you cannot even tell that they're actors. They're such typical. Wow. It's almost like spoofing the genre. Yeah. It's typical high school students, yeah. but they're so good in those roles. And then the second season goes to a private Catholic school to solve the mystery of the turd burglar. Uh, who has uh, po- like poisoned a bunch of students so they would poop their pants, and that's that's the mystery they're trying to solve: is who is the turd burglar? It oh seems like God. turd so instigator good. is more accurate. But it's so funny, but it semantics. uses it uses the tropes of like the social media yeah. stuff, and you know, the, and the docu series kind of tropes of recreations and all this. And then it does a very clever thing, which is what Serial did: was like midway through the run of the first season. They release it, and then the response and how people right, react to and it, and subreddit, and all the and, theories, and yeah. that they, you know, and like oh, it, it turns good. in on itself. So, like, but it's fictional, but it feels so real because it's so well done. Yeah, American Vandal is so good. I mean, I think if you're expecting it to be like a comedy, like a like a laugh riot, it's not that because it's done so serious. But if you're familiar with these genres, if you listen to serial, if you watch Making a Murder, you're gonna be like, oh my god, this is so good. Wow, because it, it's okay. so on point and does it completely straight faced it's so great well you sold me okay yeah, you will great. love it it's awesome so I love it Addie, Addie. What do you got? okay so I have been recommending Ologies which is a new podcast well, it's a year old podcast from a TV host named Allie Ward so I came across this show maybe a month or two ago and it I, 
I just don't even know how to describe it other than, so we had uh, listeners, you, you just got to hear about Tumble, which is a science podcast for kids, which my kids and I enjoy. They're short little like 15 minute episodes. Um, and it's around like a singular question. These episodes from ologies are an hour, hour and 15 minutes. And it's about an ology. So Egyptology or Sinology, which is the study of dogs. Um, oceanology, which is actually different than oceanography as because it's about the relationship that humans have with the ocean. And so here's what makes this podcast so great, though, is that Allie Ward is just hilarious. She is a magical, magnificent podcast host. The way she, you know, she'll do an hour-long interview with somebody, but then she inserts little Wikipedia jaunts that she goes on as she's producing the show. So, like, if the guest will use a word that she's not familiar with, she'll go in, figure out more about it, and then, like, take you on some little side jaunt and then take you back. And she's just really conversational, and um, it's just, it's a delightful audio break from my day. And uh, my kids, I mean, so she does drop some F-bombs and some, like, not great language, but my kids are kind of not they're okay with that. And so, but actually I have found that they are really engaged with the way that she thinks about science. Mm, um, and, mm-hmm. and they're in that eight to 10 or, you know, they're eight and 11. So they're, they're in the tumble zone, but um, I really have been enjoying ologies just for my own sake. Like Egyptology, um, th- that show in particular went into some of the racial and systemic power ah. issues that were going on in Egypt and how that huh. is, how she is learning about American society by studying wow. early dynasties in Egypt. Um, so she just finds scientists who are really relatable and, and, and enjoy like, to listen to. And it sounds like she's modeling curiosity, oh, which one is yeah. the best things you can do Absolutely. for humans, but kids especially. Yeah, she is like unabashedly the most curious person I know right now. And I don't even know her, but I feel like I know her because of the show. <laughs> hey she's girl, so hey Allie. Yeah, that's right. Hey girl, hey, that's how she... Have you ever listened to that? <laughs> no. That's, she totally does that. Hey, girl. Hey. It's, your it's crazy. secretly me. I, I actually go with that podcast. It's your, it's your crazy <laughs> uncle. It's your crazy stepdad who like mows the lawn in shorts that you're, I mean, he's just like, she just is so weird and it's just totally my style. So they, ologies. They could do an episode on Vitology, the 1997 Pearl Jam album. Hey. There you go. That's a freebie. <laughs> okay. Well, great toast, everybody. Super Yay. fun. That's our show. She's Addie. He's Omar. I'm Tali. Check out the Austin 360 Instagram and Facebook for more about life in Austin. And talk to us on Twitter at loveaustin360. If you liked what you heard today, leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. It helps other people discover the show. I love you so much. The Austin 360 podcast is produced by Alyssa Vidales. The show is made with support from features editor Sharon Chapman and the entire Austin 360 staff. Our theme music is from local band Hardproof, which you should definitely check out at hardproofmusic.com. You can find more about the show and its contributors at austin360.com slash loveaustin360. And if you want to pitch an idea for the show or give us feedback, shoot us a note at loveaustin360 at statesman.com or leave a voicemail at 512-445-3672. This podcast is brought to you by Hilton Austin. We couldn't do the show without you, dear listeners, and we can't thank you enough for lending us your ears, your comments, and your ACL Fest Mighty Cones. Until next week, we'll see you in the scooter drop-off zone at Zilker Park. <laughs>